Ion 2020 episode 143. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Ray Eaton, the host that brings you the news, the related events, all those things that you are looking to hear about this 2020 election, all the uh, great things that you could talk to your friends about and so forth with these candidates and their policies and all the messages that they're sending. Plus, you know, a little bit of the news and all the things that I try to bring you guys. I, you know, I try to leave an inspiring message afterwards as well that'll let you guys know that there is a way towards liberty and our friends are going to uh, be able to see that if we just continue to talk to them. So I appreciate you coming out on a daily basis, joining me Monday through Friday. I will be producing a show for you until the elections are over in November, 2020. And I might go a little bit beyond that as well, just to see what the out, you know, the fallout is from the election. If Trump wins or if Bernie Sanders wins or whoever becomes the democratic nominee wins, uh, I was just putting together a good show for you guys today. And I was doing a little bit of research and stuff. And then I came across a review from one of my from one of the people that listen one of you guys uh i got a new review and uh, a five-star rating as well and i was really very excited to see that come through as well and it comes from vic 239 and it says most libertarians today live in their own bubble that we would just get rid of the government all at once things would be all right this is an impractical way of approaching libertarianism turns a lot of people away from the idea of limiting government altogether. Ray's approach to libertarianism is different in two distinct yet very important ways. He approaches libertarianism from a practical and pragmatic standpoint viewpoint as opposed to idealistic, and he also takes the time to explain these principles in plain English, English instead of getting lost in political jargon. As a result, this podcast is both entertaining and informative to listen to. Well, thank you very much. That is probably the best uh, best view, review I've ever seen uh, for my show. I appreciate that. I, I really do. Uh, it makes me feel good that I'm actually doing it in a way that is informative and entertaining and also getting rid of all that political jargon. Yeah, I'm just a regular dude. You know, that's all I am. I'm just a regular guy. I'm, you know, I work... I work my normal gig and then I come home and I put together a podcast for you. And that's what I enjoy doing. And, you know, I understand libertarianism. I understand uh, the idealistic side of it as well. I mean, I, I would love to get to the point where we could have those idealistic arguments about how limited we want our government to be. But we live in the real world, guys, right? I always say that. We live in the real world. We live in a government, we live under a government regime that has way too much power already and we need to start working on those little things first we can't have i mean we could talk about these idealistic ideas but why would we have to infight among each other as libertarians when there's so much more we can be doing and that would be bringing people to the message of liberty i've never met somebody in my life who as soon as you talk to them about anarcho-capitalism all of a sudden they believe that there should be no state whatsoever 
Never met somebody like that. They don't go from being a Republican or a Democrat to that. It's always a slow process. And a lot I think a lot of people forget the transformation that they had going from a big government status type person that believes that the government can, you know, make changes and that, you know, maybe you had some conservative views and maybe slowly become more libertarian. That's how almost everybody is. Nobody goes from that to all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I just, just throw out the government completely. We can all figure it out ourselves. Because that's not the case. Nobody does that. So how are we going to turn people on to liberty if we always want to talk the idealistic side of things? I, I just don't see it. So, you know, I appreciate I appreciate you, Vic, for seeing that and uh, knowing that that is the case that, you know, that that's the, that's the gospel that I'm going to preach every single day when I'm out here talking is I'm just going to, I'm going to tell it how it is. I'm going to tell it in a way that, you know, maybe I babble a little bit here and there, but you know, at least the message is getting out there clear and concise. And then also that I'm not going to take an idealistic approach to things. Um, I do, I am an idealistic person though. And I do believe that the government should be almost to the point of abolishment. Even And if we got to that point, then I would probably say, yeah, go ahead and abolish it altogether. We'll have these free enterprise zones or whatever, you know, free free market everywhere and uh, everyone just figure it out, figure out how to live themselves and so forth. But we're not there. We're, we'll probably never be there. But we're always going to have to make the argument against the state growing. We're always going to have to make the argument against all the foreign intervention that's going on, and we're always going to have to be fighting as hard as we can to keep these people in Washington from taking more of our freedoms. That's the fight that I'm going to fight. Because they have their numbers. We don't. Libertarians, we don't have the numbers. Democrats and Republicans, they have the numbers. They're the ones that have control of Washington. They're the ones that have the control of the monopoly on force that is the government. We don't have that. We have a we have a small movement of people that grows bigger every day, I'm sure. But we all get sidetracked on the BS. We all get sidetracked on the infighting. Even the leader of the Libertarian Party seems like he does that. He's fighting all he's fighting on this, you know, against the people that are a little bit further towards the anarchist spectrum, the anarcho-capitalist spectrum than he is, I guess. I just don't think that that should be the place. I don't. I think that we all believe in liberty. We all believe in freedom. And we should try to make coalitions to get there, to bring more people to the idea of freedom. That's what we should be doing every single day. So, Vic, I appreciate you seeing that. Hopefully other people see that as well. And, uh, I w- you know, I will keep on doing this every day, so... Thank you so much for um for giving me that review. I really appreciate it. It was very, very nice of you. And if you want to give a review to the show as well, you can do that on Apple iTunes as well as, oh, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. You can do it on one of your podcast catch or podcatchers. And if you happen to have a podcatcher outside of Apple uh, that you leave a review on, let me know about it. You can do that ray at ironlyempower.com and I'll let you and I'll go ahead and read your review as well. Okay. So five star ratings and reviews are very helpful to the show to get more and more people listening. And then uh go ahead and subscribe if it's your, if it's your first time listening, all right? Because I will bring you the news related events and the things that are happening in the election from a libertarian perspective, as well as challenge people to 
go out there and spread the message of liberty every single day. You'll see me do that five days a week. So go ahead and subscribe. You'll hear the show tomorrow, and there's multiple shows ahead of this one as well, 140 of them or so. Uh, before this one that you can go ahead and go through and listen there's a lot of good shows there's a couple bad ones here and there every podcast cat every podcaster has bad shows i guess so uh but i'll leave it at that okay guys but um anyway let's go ahead and jump into the show there's a little bit of news that's been going on lately with donald trump uh he made those statements last week uh through the tweets about the the four uh, people he calls the squad which are the uh I guess the four ladies in Congress that are pretty well outspoken about him, but they're all minority groups. They're, I think one's Hispanic, one's from Somalia, and a couple of others are from like India or something. I can't remember exactly where they're all from, but they're not. I mean, all of them are U.S. citizens, but he made the statements about them saying that they should go back to the countries that they come from to fix their problems then come back and tell us what to do. Um, clearly, I mean... Everyone's on a different side, and everyone's defending... Like, the Republicans are defending Trump, and the Democrats are calling him racist. I think that the whole racist statement, calling him a racist and calling everything that Republicans do is racist, is starting to become worn out in people's minds and actually causes people to uh, defend Trump even more on those things as well. Now, I said it on the show last week. I do think that, you know, those were statements that were misguided, that he probably... They definitely were not vetted before he said them. And it's important that uh, we just take a, an objective approach on this, guys. Like, it's something that he shouldn't have said, and it's something that, um, you know, it's, it's undefensible. That's true. I don't know that's going to hurt his credibility, though. I mean, he still has just as much support. He actually got, I think they said, like, 5% more support after he called them out as well. And I think if you read between the lines of the statement, his intention, I think, is more... To say this is, I guess I'm defending him too, but his intention was more to say, um, you know, where your heritage is from, go back there and fix it, then come back to America. I guess they're not, they're culturally not, um, I guess culturally not like American, if you know what I mean. If you if you know the way that I'm trying to say it, like a like a regular white America type American, right? So I think he was doing that, and that is clearly something that. I feel, I mean, I feel it was like a, not necessarily a racist statement, but it was like a prejudiced type statement, I guess. Uh, but a lot of Republicans are still defending him on that, and they're going to. Even when he had a rally last week, they started saying, send her back, send her back. Um, this guy cannot get out of his own way, though. He always stirs up these stupid controversies, um, and it takes away from the things that he can be running on. I've said this multiple times in the past. Every time he has a controversy, he he has a pretty good economy going. He could run on that. He has a pretty like good job numbers. He could run on that. He has like from the economic standpoint, the Republicans love him. Uh, I think even like independents would say that as well. But then the Republicans also say it a lot and I've read multiple articles about this. Uh, there was one article, they were interviewing people from the Republican Party in uh, Pinellas County, Florida, which Florida is the largest swing state as well as Pinellas County. Pinellas County is the largest swing county in America as well. It goes between Democrats and Republicans on a regular basis. And a lot of these people, they were just saying that they know he says these terrible tweets or, you know, he gets in, he gets in his own way because of these tweets all the time. And what people need to realize is the economy is good and it's okay like that's what one of the people said 
And so they're going to defend them on that. They're going to they're going to take their stand with their guy because that's their leader. That's their person that they believe is going to make the country better. And whatever he says, it's okay. That's just the blind, the blind, um, the the way that people are, I guess, with their leaders. They 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 just blindly follow certain people when no matter what they say, they're going to defend them on that. The same thing with the Democrats. The Democrats do the same thing too with Barack Obama. Um, no matter what he did, it was okay as long as he was their leader. Like, for example, they're all anti-war before 2008. He gets elected. They're still slightly anti-war, but then as Barack Obama starts rationalizing us intervening here, intervening there, and then going to Libya and all this stuff, uh, and taking an interventionist foreign policy, kind of going with the status quo that the Bush administration went with, they started defending him on those things as well. And now you see today that there's hardly an anti-war movement whatsoever on the left, which is starting to spring back up now, but it's really not the same way as it was in 2006, 2007, when everyone realized that there was no weapons of mass destruction, that, uh, you know, that we shouldn't have went into Iraq and everything else. And now you see people on the left even that are defending the idea of you know, going to fight in Iran, of all places, right, so, um, and you have people like, I mean, some of the politicians are for, like, a a war tax even now, like, some of these Democrats that are running, Beto O'Rourke, for example, and I think Bernie Sanders has been on board with this as well, they're okay with having a war tax, where they tax people, like, a thousand dollars a year to pay for the wars and to pay for the veterans that are coming home from those wars. Now, if you're a veteran, you don't have to pay it. But if you're not a veteran, then you have to pay a war tax. Can you imagine that? A war tax. So we could have more war, I guess? I don't know. I mean, to me, that stuff doesn't make sense. But Democrats are on board with that stuff now. And they would have never been on board with that stuff back then. So they're they're always going to defend their guy, no matter what. If you're, if you're on the Republican team... You're going to defend your your guy. Same thing on the Democratic team. I think I talked about this on one of my shows one time. I mean, when I'm at a soccer match for my kids, and my son's out there running around, he could bump into people and knock them over, slide tackle them, and, and whatever. As long as he gets the ball and scores, I don't care what he did. But if the other team's doing that, I'm calling it out. I'm yelling at them. I'm yelling at the ref. Look at them. They're being rough. You know, it's just because my perspective, but then on the other side of the field, their parents are saying the same thing about my kid. Look at him, he's being rough, but their kid they, their kid and their team can get away with everything. It's just the perspective that you're from. If you're rooting for a team, you're always going to say that the refs are for the other team. You're always going to say that the other team is doing things that are cheating or doing things that are rough, even though your team is doing the same thing. Because it's just your perspective. It's the way, it's the team that you've chosen. It's your perspective. That's the way the Democrats are. That's the way the Republicans are. And that's why, as libertarians, we need to look at that and pretty much laugh. Because they don't see it about themselves. It's hard to self-reflect. They don't see it about themselves. The Democrats can't see it. The Republicans can't see it. But libertarians, we can be objective on this and again look and say... You know, and expose them for what they are. That's what we should be doing. We should be exposing them for what they are. And it's hypocritical. I mean, you have a president 
that can say it's okay it's okay to grab a woman's pussy type thing excuse my language i I never say bad words on this show i apologize but um you know maybe i'll just you know I, i won't say anymore i apologize but uh he's able to say that specifically and people defend him upon that he's able to have you know he 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 clearly has a sketchy past with you know probably cheats on his wives in the past and so forth um i'm sure that's the case and i mean he was a playboy in the 70s and the 80s so um and that's just the way he is that's his he he his the the way that he tried to present himself in the early you know the 70s and the 80s was he was a high roller playboy that was a big rich millionaire and billionaire from new york and that he can you know that that was the way that he presented himself and that was how it kind of made him into a big thing right so that's what he played upon it was an act in some ways but there was some serious stuff to it as well i mean he he takes that so seriously right so but the the christian evangelical the, the evangelical evangelical left will completely say you know give him a pass on anything that he does that's like immoral but the same thing they, the democrats do the same thing with their people as well so it's just the way that the system is libertarians we can expose that for what it is though it's hypocritical it's something that we look at things from an idealistic perspective as well and realize that hey you know what maybe the system that we have this two-party system is not working maybe we should look elsewhere for leaders and people that are gonna you know support liberty rather than just support their guy for whoever he is i mean the republican party supports donald trump for whatever he does no matter what now um even though there's a lot of things that are not conservative about him i guess and uh there's a lot of things that he does that are totally like immoral per se and that's supposed to be the party of morals i guess i mean that's what they say i don't think that's really true um but they're they're for like reigning in government spending yet we have the highest you know the the highest deficits ever in this country since the 2000 i think it was like 2009 was the highest deficit and now they're going into the trillion dollar deficits again but no one calls them out on that stuff nobody says hey you need to reel in spending nobody's even mentioning anything like that uh republicans used to talk a little bit so about social security and trying to fix that and medicare and trying to fix that the insolvency that's coming nobody talks about that anymore because it's not something that donald trump is talking about so the republican party cannot talk about that stuff and i don't think that they ever take i don't think the republicans are ever serious about that anyway but at least paying some kind of lip service to it i think is a good thing in some way so uh yeah i mean it's hypocritical but we're libertarians we can look at this from an objective standpoint we could look at these people and and see them for what they are and then we can actually get out there and tell our friends about that as well about the things that they are doing that are outside of what they believe in right and like you could look at the democrats and say see what they're saying and give a objective standpoint and say listen you know this country has 22 trillion dollars in debt how are we going to afford something like that like there's a lot of things that we can do as libertarians to really push the message forward with our friends in some ways. And it has to be small incremental steps sometimes. It really does. I think that 
uh, like with with my group of friends, we go out. Uh, we actually uh, over the weekend we went to a concert. Dave Matthews Band. I love Dave Matthews. I actually just started listening to him about three years ago, and we went to this concert, and uh, you know all of them are like Republican people. And every so, I mean, they know where I stand on liberty. They know that I'm a libertarian and so forth. But I don't really preach libertarianism to them constantly. Like, that's not our conversations that we have. But there's a few little things that I'll say every so often that'll just make them maybe reconsider the fact that uh, this two-party system is is a bogus system, you know? And it'll make them think about it. They'll say, hmm, yeah, maybe you're right about that. So I'm planting these little seeds every so often in these people. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... That's what we need to do. We just need to plant these little seeds with people. We need to be friendly. We need to be hanging out with people and not be the guy that's just sitting there, the the crazy libertarian in the corner. But we need to be conversative with these people and just let them know how we feel every so often when that chance happens. And that's it. And then we can start making a difference. Then we start getting our friends to maybe see the two-party system for what it is. If they're a Democrat... Maybe they'll see that, hey, you know what? These people are trying to preach something that's completely unsustainable. They're trying to, you know, they're, they're complete socialists. Or, but maybe your friend is a socialist. That's a hard thing for me to get through to. But there are ways to do it. And then the same thing with Republicans. You know, the fact that, you know, it used to be a party where they would actually give some lip service to the national debt. And now nobody cares about it. Uh, there's a lot of hypocrisy going on there and so forth. And like the neoconservative movement with being willing to lie to the people about weapons of mass destruction, Iraq and so forth. Like those are things we could call the, them out on. And then we could also start putting little holes in their ideas, in their minds that the government is the answer to problems. Because that is probably the most strength that we have to get people to reconsider it. When they start to doubt their government altogether, when they start to realize that the government has domestic spying going on, that the politicians are only there to get themselves reelected, they don't really care about the people. When they start to realize that you know, all these people are just bought and paid for by the special interests that they su- that support them. When they start to realize those things, they start to see Washington, D.C. for what it is, not just the two-party system, but Washington, D.C. and the government for what it is. They start to realize, huh, maybe, maybe I should reconsider how much government or how much control of our lives we should give the government. Then they start rethinking that, and then they start looking at politicians that start that are looking to shrink the size of government as well. Those are things that we can poke little holes in their their current worldview, right? And then at that point, they'll start thinking about it on their own, and then they'll start coming to their own conclusions. Then maybe they'll ask you about libertarianism. Who knows? That's possible. Um, Dave Matthews. Let me get on that subject for a second because I was thinking about this when I was at this concert. We're all hanging out, uh, drinking some beer, sitting down, uh, watching the show, and there's probably 40,000, maybe 50,000 people there. It's a big venue. There's like grass. There's like a big, it's one of those outside venues that has grass in the very back and then there's seats in the front. I always buy grass seats. I just like to bring a lawn chair hangout and sit down and 
drink beer and hang out with my friends and watch some concerts, right? We do a lot of country concerts. Dave Matthews, I started, my wife has always been a huge fan of Dave Matthews, and she's been to like 15 of his concerts. Uh, I just recently started liking his music about three years ago. I used to make fun of people that like Dave Matthews. I'm not sure why, because when you listen to music, it's really good. Uh, I just never had listened to it, so... I always thought it was like a cultish thing. Well, the the show was great. It was absolutely phenomenal. Probably the best show I've ever been to, actually. And uh, hugely, like, totally recommend if if you if you like music, go see one of the Dave Matthews concerts. Uh, but anyway, besides that, this is what I was wanting to say about the the show. You had about forty thousand people there, and it's amazing when you have forty thousand people around that it is okay to do something that is illegal, right? For example, when all you smell in the air is lots and lots and lots of pot, right? The smell of weed is in the air. Like, constantly you're smelling it at one of these concerts. And it's not like the people that don't smoke pot, the people that are good law-abiding, law-abiding citizens are calling 911 and telling on these people and getting the cops to come and and raid the damn concert, right? They're not doing that. That's not the way that people are because they realize that even the law-abiding citizens, the people that are not willing to smoke pot, right, those people that are there, they are not willing to call the cops because they know that it is an unjust law. And you know this, and the reason why is because if there was somebody there that was killing people, if there was somebody there that was robbing people if there was someone there that was stealing from people then they would probably you would probably call the cops on those people right if there was people there if there was like just as many people there that were robbing people as there were people that were smoking pot that were there then you would probably see a lot of people leaving the venue you would see people taking defensive measures against those people you would see people calling the police on those people you would see a lot of things but when it comes to the smoking pot, everyone knows that that is not a bad thing in their mind just by the way that they react to that situation when you're there. For example, I don't care if people smoke pot. I prefer not to smoke pot because I don't like the way that it, I, I get paranoid. That's just the way I am. Like when I was younger and I used to do it, um, I would become like paranoid. I'm not good in groups in that situation. I'm a very social person. And I'm not good in groups when, I, when I'm when i smoking marijuana. So when I was very young, I, you know, had been turned off to it because of that. And there's been times in my life where I have uh, since then, but it usually ends up with me going home and going to bed because I don't like the feeling of it. So that's fine. Now, one of my friends that I went there with, he's very much against marijuana altogether, right? Um very much against it, but the smells in the air, and he's probably the most ardent person against marijuana I've ever met, like, I've never met somebody that is so much against marijuana as him, yet, he was not calling the police when it was in the air, even he knew that it's not that bad of a thing, that it's a a government law that should not be abided by, because it's an unjust law, people should not be going to jail for that, like, I bet you if you talk to all these people at that concert that were not smoking pot, and you said, do you think all these people should be in jail for smoking pot? Not a single one of them would say yes. Yet, the laws are still enforced in most states in the United States. Thank God that it's starting to change, though. 
thank goodness that it's starting to change because that is something that uh, people should never be going to jail for. And everybody in that concert venue knew it, and everyone in America pretty much knows it, I think, except for the law, the police officers, those that are there to enforce the laws. They know that. They just, uh, they just blindly go along with it, and they do. So, uh, but if there was people there that were killing people, obviously we would be calling the police. We'd be doing stuff right. Um, so anyway, unjust laws. You know it because people are in groups, large groups like that. They're willing to. They're willing to disobey the law, even the people that are against that particular substance or that particular action are still not willing to call the police in that situation. So uh, just, a, just a little food for thought, that's all. That's what I was thinking about when I was there. Uh, but hey guys, I appreciate you listening to the show. Every day, Monday through Friday, I try to bring you guys a show. I've done it since January. I'm going to continue to do it until the end of the election cycle. I uh, may not bring you one every single day, but I've done it Monday through Friday. I've, I, even when I go on vacation, I've done it. So uh, keep on listening. Come on back tomorrow. Uh, you'll hear some more about the news that's going on next week we actually have the debates coming as well uh, i think it'll be like the 30th and the 31st uh, of july you'll have some debates coming up and i'll be doing some shows on those as well and uh but for the meantime uh go ahead if you can subscribe to this show and then email me something that you're doing for the libertarian movement i'd love to hear it you can do that right at iontheempire.com and uh, if you want to leave me a voice message, you can do that as well. And it's the same place that you would go to support the show with like a $2.99, a $4.99, or a $9.99 uh, support level. And you can do that at anchor.fm slash ion2020. And if you go there, you'll have the ability to support the show as well as leave me a voice message for about a minute long. And you can tell me what you're doing for the Libertarian Movement. You can tell me about your podcast. You can tell me about your website. You can tell me about anything that uh, that you want to, really. You can tell me about your mom or your brother or whatever, you know. You can tell me about your dog. I don't care. Uh, I have two dogs. I love dogs. So, uh, But anyway, keep on coming back, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.